Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. My name, as always, is Noah Rubin. And for this episode, which is episode 14, uh, it's we're just going to talk about Summer League because nothing else is really happening around the NBA aside from Summer League. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to remind you guys to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume it. I believe I got it worked out to finally be on Google Podcasts. So hopefully this episode will be on there as well as all of the, all of the previous ones. But this, I think, will be the first one that will be posted on Google at the same time it's posted everywhere else instead of just backtracking. Um, so do that with podcasts. If you can leave a review as well, that helps me a ton. Um, if you can follow me on Twitter at NoahRubin22, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see that um, right at the bottom left corner of your screen. Um, and subscribe to my Substack. That's the other thing, noahrubin.substack.com. I've been doing three articles a week, sometimes very in-depth ones, sometimes not very in-depth ones, but three Dynasty columns per week, as well as getting the podcast emailed directly to you. Um, so you can stay up to date with those. Those come out every Friday. Articles are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, but I think that is all of the ways because all the ways to keep up with my content because to me, Threads has already died. I think it was really cool for like two days. Maybe some people still like it. Maybe it still has a chance. I don't know. But I don't even open the app. So there's no reason to follow me on there. Just stick to Twitter, Substack, and wherever you consume your podcast. And let's go ahead and talk about Summer League. Right, so I believe we are about a week and a half into Summer League. We had five days of uh, Summer League in Salt Lake City and in Sacramento for the California Classic. Only a few teams at each. We still got to see some cool performances. A couple guys play their first Summer League games for their teams that just drafted them. Uh, we got to see Keegan Murray absolutely dominate. So those games are fun. And then obviously everybody plays in Vegas where we've gotten to see a lot more guys play. Um, you know, some of the top prospects in this past draft didn't play until then. A couple played earlier, but obviously the long-awaited, long, long, long-awaited debut of Victor Wembanyama. I think since the video came out of him playing one-on-one against Rudy Gobert, probably, probably three years ago, maybe longer. I don't even remember when that came out, but the video of him playing one-on-one against Rudy Gobert and just giving him buckets when Rudy Gobert was coming off a defensive player of the year season been kind of waiting for this moment obviously you can watch him play in EuroLeague but nothing quite like seeing somebody suit up in the NBA for the first time and I'm sure his actual regular season debut will have a similar feel to it Um, wouldn't be shocked if that's a nationally televised game even if the Spurs are going to be awful Um, with that being said you know there's obviously plenty to kind of glean from a fantasy perspective from these games there's plenty more to ignore and disregard when it comes to taking this data and applying it to fantasy this season, um, more so to kind of understand how things could look in the future, but still some things you just have to disregard. Um, I think it was, and again, I know I talked about this. I think I talked about this last week and I know I'm going to butcher his last name again. Um, Julian, Julian Champagne, Champagne. I, you know, I should have looked it up between now and then. That's that's on me. That's my bad. But 
he uh, had two incredible performances. I don't remember if they were in Salt Lake or if they were in Sacramento, uh, but that first week of summer league. And I think there was a lot of talk on Twitter, you know, what, what do we think about this guy? Like, is he a guy that we should draft late round with a lot of upside? And it's like, no, I mean, he's played well in summer league. Like he's going, he has shown that he is a rotational NBA player with his performance. I don't think he's going to be getting close to a triple double or dropping 30 points in the regular season because unlike in previous seasons, the Spurs have some exciting guys in their summer league team, but for for the most part, their guys in their rotation aren't playing summer league. You know, Trey Jones is playing summer league, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, uh, Zach Collins, uh, Jeremy Sohan not playing summer league. And then his two best performances were before Victor Wembanyama was even playing. So could he be part of their rotation? Yes. If you're playing in a 30-team redraft league i'd say he's he's probably worth taking in the later rounds maybe maybe earlier than the late late rounds 30 team dynasty sure late round pick but if you're talking about you know standard 12 teams league um if it's dynasty still late round because should be i know josh lloyd put it on twitter the other day and you know i agree at least or probably 300 players should be rostered. I know with my home league with friends, we have, I think 26 roster spots, a uh, very deep bench. Um, so that's, I believe 312 players rostered and then two IR. So at, at any given time, it could be 336, I believe that math uh, rostered. So yeah, he should probably be rostered in that size format. And the dynasty format should be rostered, but I don't think he's anybody that we're really getting excited about. Could he be part of the rotation and potentially contribute a little bit for your team this season? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think his performance in summer league is making anybody say, or should be making anybody say, wow, I can't wait to get this guy. He's going to be a league winner. He's not. It's great for him. He's playing incredibly well, solidifying his spot in the NBA like very exciting for him and his career, but for fantasy, not really. So plenty of performances like that, especially when you have certain teams that, for example, the Bucks, um, they don't really have anybody on their team, on their summer league team that you're like, I need to get him in a draft this year, except maybe Marjan Bochamp, maybe if it's like a deep league and he's played very well. He's you know had a couple 20 point games and then one absolute dud. Um, but I don't think he's really a guy. He's a guy you like in dynasty and you like his upside, but he's not a guy that is going to contribute much this season. Probably not. I could be wrong. Um, just because the bucks are such a competitive winning team and the, and the teams that, you know, the nuggets are not necessarily an exception, but they did a good job of drafting older, you know, 22 year olds with their late first and second round picks. Um, which guys that could be ready to contribute. But if you look at their rotation, even those those guys are playing really well in summer league, they're probably not going to actually crack Denver's rotation. So we really got to look at some of the worst teams or the guys that were drafted early, you know, or second, third year guys. It's, I guess you're kind of basing it off names um, as far as what to make of summer league and looking at more, specifics with play like what have players improved on 
um, that they maybe struggled with in the past. Um, I can't think of a great example off the top of my head because I'm just kind of spitballing here. But, you know, I think, okay, we can talk about Jabari Smith, you know, struggled a lot during his rookie season, had some good games, but I think for a guy that was drafted number three overall was had a largely disappointing rookie season. And this will kind of segue into my, you know, talking about some of the guys that are second year players that had no business really playing in summer league, but, but did Um, not that Jabari Smith had a good quote of saying, you know, they were awful last year. I believe they had the second worst record in the league. I think they were 20 and 62 and I could be totally wrong, but I think, I think that's what that was because I think the Pistons were, had the worst record with 1765. Anyways, really bad. He didn't have a great season. So he said, why would I not be playing in summer league? And like, yeah, I agree. Like it's good for him. Like it's, good for his growth to be playing basketball. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's, you know, it was good for him to play a game or two and just kind of, okay, great. I think he, uh, let's see, I had the numbers. Played two games and averaged 35 and a half points per game. Yeah, all right, you're ready for the regular season. Cool. Great. That's all he needed to do. It's all he needed to prove. He looked very, very good, but he kind of should, you know, with a guy that was drafted number three overall and, has a year in the NBA under his belt as a starter, you know, should be dominating. Same way Keegan Murray should be dominating. He was a starter on the number three team in the West playing summer league. So I think, you know, that's that's great that he was. And I think that, you know, he showed why he was a starter last season. He showed why he's going to start again this season. Um, and that's why they've already kind of said, yeah, you're done for the summer. Cause he dominated, you know, he, he played two games and averaged 35 points. So obviously Keegan Murray has upside, you know, was really good as a rookie. Didn't really need to be playing summer league, but still played. So it makes you kind of question. I can't think of a good example up in my head where I was like, why wasn't this guy playing um Summer league. I think in the past, the good one was, I think it was Taylor Horton Tucker when he was on the Lakers just showed up to summer league to kind of watch people are like, why isn't he playing summer league? Maybe he should be playing or maybe it wasn't at the time, but now it's kind of looking back on it. It's like, that was around the time. I believe that LeBron was talking about him having Taylor Horton Tucker having the most potential on the team. And like, he's a future star in this league. And I don't know if the hype got to his head and then the team was like, yeah, you don't need to play summer league, but maybe, maybe that would have been beneficial. I don't know how much it would have dramatically altered his, his uh, career, but I think it's situations like that where you're like, "Mm, maybe this guy should probably be playing summer league. The only rookie off the top of my head that I can remember that or rookie from last season that isn't playing this summer was Paolo Bancaro, you know, totally fine. I'm, I'm probably missing somebody off the top of my head um, that isn't playing. Cause even like Jalen Williams played, it may have just been one game. Maybe it was two. I don't really remember, but just absolutely dominated. Yeah. It was just one game, 21 points, four rebounds, two assists in 21, almost 22 minutes. So Another guy that had no business playing summer league, but still went out there, played a little bit. And everybody's like, okay, yeah, he's good. He doesn't need to play summer league. So then his summer kind of ended. Um, I think Tari Eason from like for Houston, you know, he played two games, 
averaged 23, nine and a half, four, one, and three blocks with two threes. Made some incredible plays uh, defensively, led to some transition dunks for both him and also Cam Whitmore. That Rockets summer league team, I think it was only one, well, it was only one game with Ahmed Thompson. But then even after that, the second game where Jabari Smith, um, I think that was when he had 40. The first game was when he struggled in the first half, and I was very concerned that he took over in the second half, hit the game winner, which was insane for a summer league game, insanely fun game, and then dominated the next game, and then, okay, called it a summer. Cool. Um, I think it's hard to take away a ton from those four guys. I'll tell you, I could Chari Easton I'm more excited about. I was kind of worried when – they signed Dylan Brooks and drafted Cam Whitmore because not that I don't believe in the talent. I think in, you know, dynasty three years down the road, doesn't matter. I'm saying for this season, I'm a little bit, I was a little bit concerned because I, I just didn't know what that was going to look like, who was going to get the minutes. And then after seeing Cam Whitmore play a little bit, which I'll probably get into a little bit more later, I'm a little less concerned because of what Tari Eason can bring defensively. And because Cam Whitmore is, seems to be like he has so much scoring upside, but I'm a little bit concerned about the playmaking. I don't think it's as bad as that. Uh, at least the first half, maybe the whole first game that he played against Portland showed where he just simply refused to pass the ball at times. I don't think it'll continue to be that bad, but if it is, I mean, it probably fit right in with with Dylan Brooks, um, but then also bringing in Brooks. I think you don't pay him four years, eighty million. Or I think it was up to ninety million with incentives uh, to come off the bench, at least not the first year. So I imagine Dylan Brooks is starting. So that leaves Tari's coming off the bench, but I still think he can get twenty four to twenty six minutes off the bench, uh, just because I imagine the starting lineup is Van Bleet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Alperin Shengun. However, if you look at everybody on that team, Shingun seems to not quite fit in with what that team would look like. So everybody else seems ready to run, push the pace on offense, and get out in transition. I mean, when you have like Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason in transition, that's so, so dangerous. Whereas Shingun's most effective, you know, feeding him the ball in the post, letting him create out of that. And then I'm not going to get into what kind of defender that he is, but he's not a dominant defensive presence the way guys like Eason and Jabari Smith can be and the way Dylan Brooks is. So those guys will help make up for Shengun's lack of defensive dominance, but I think also just the play style doesn't fit. So does that get Shengun off the floor at times? You know, is, is he limited to... 26, 28 minutes has the starting center. Do they try and run Jabari Smith as a small ball five with Tari Eason at the four and really, really pick up the, the pressure and the pace and try and get out in transition? That's something I'd like to see just because I think it would be fun. Uh, and I mean, Udoka, I can't imagine him being afraid to do that, especially with you know everything we've seen and heard out of him in both his time in Boston and now in the couple months in Houston of wanting to really get after it on defense, pick up the pressure, be, play intense defense. 
you know, I think there was uh, I don't remember, no, I don't know if this was true, but there was something I read about him not wanting James Harden back in Houston because that probably that takes away a good bit of what they can do defensively because I don't know how you're going to get James Harden motivated to play super super intense defense every play when he never had to when he was in Houston. Um, not that he can't or not that he won't, but I think it's hard to get James Harden motivated for a regular season game in January on a Tuesday night on on a back-to-back and like really play intense defense where it's like, I mean, Udoka probably wants to do that. And he has guys there to do that. But James Harden probably isn't going to want to do that, which I get it. That's not a, a knock on Harden, even if you can take it as one. I don't think it's a knock on Harden. I can't imagine many guys that are in their 30s trying to win championships are going to care about the defensive intensity on a, a January Tuesday. But that was a bit of a rabbit hole to get back and say, um, I'm excited about Tar Eason this season. Wow, I really went on a tangent. I didn't realize that. Uh, more excited about Jabari Smith than I was, um, just because I don't know anybody that was that has dynasty rankings that had Jabari Smith lower than I did. I don't remember what it was, but I want to say it was in the 90s. And I'd have to bump him up after just this summer league just because I, I feel more comfortable and I feel more confident in what he can do as a scorer. And hopefully that continues in the regular season. Um, so I don't know exactly what number I'd bump him up to if I were to update rankings because just did those going to wait a little bit to update. Um, but I'm more excited about him than I was before. Um, and then, you know, Jalen Williams expected him to dominate. I expected him so I expected him to dominate the summer. I expected him to dominate next season, and he did dominate the summer. So I still expect him to be very good next season. His singular game doesn't change a lot for me. I think he is a starter. I don't know if he's starting at the three or starting at the four, but OKC literally doesn't care about positions or height. They don't. They have ball handlers everywhere. They have defenders everywhere. That team's going to get scary good really, really, really quickly. So is Jalen Williams a power forward with Chet at the five maybe this year? Or is Jalen Williams a three? Or is is Lou Dort the three with Josh Giddy and, and Shea kind of running the one and the two together? They just play basketball. It doesn't really matter. And Kaysom Wallace has a chance to start eventually, but I think Jalen Williams is going to start, and so is Chet. Chet's been, you know, really good <laughs> this summer. Um, he was solid through the first few games, and then this last game, I'm recording this on Thursday as kind of the first games are going on, so I won't be talking about any games that are Thursday night games ahead of this Friday one. But Chet had... 25 points, nine rebounds, five blocks in uh, Wednesday night's game against the Pacers. So it's not like, I mean, you kind of have to, at times, judge a little bit based on competition in Summer League. Um, the Pacers didn't have Isaiah Jackson, Benedict Mather, and Andrew Nembhard. I need to learn how to pronounce some of these names. Um, but they did have Jairus Walker, Oscar Shibway. I think. You know, Shibwe, I believe, went undrafted, but was dominant in college. And Jairus Walker obviously selected eighth in the draft. So, like, it wasn't against guys trying to make a roster that have been playing in the G League for three seasons. Like, it was against it was against solid players. So, 
I'm I'm excited about Chet this season. Incredibly excited about him for Dynasty. I don't think anything he could have done this summer would change that. Um, so, but I'm happy that he played well because it gives me a little bit more confidence in a ranking for him that's based less on what I imagine he can be and more on what I've seen him do as well as what I imagine his potential could be instead of just the idea. There's a little bit of evidence there, you know, aside from last summer league. So it's a little bit more updated, makes me feel a little bit, a little bit better about Chet. Um, And I think Keegan Murray, as I said, expected him to be very good. If he played this summer, didn't really expect him to play this summer. I think in my opinion, the standards for not playing your second summer league. I mean, anybody's welcome to do it. I, I don't blame anybody or I'm not upset with anybody for playing in it, especially if you don't play much. Like I probably would have liked to see Jalen Johnson play summer league for the Hawks as a Hawks fan. I would have liked to see him after he spent his rookie season, in the G league and didn't play a ton last season, like played more, obviously. Um, I would have liked to just see him get more game experience. And I don't know if that was a him decision. I think there that he had said previously that he intended or wanted to play, or maybe it was the organization. Either way, like I would have liked to see him play just because he was a very talented player that we didn't really get to see much through his first two seasons, especially in a, a big role, unless you were really keeping up with his G League games. So it would have been nice to see him play, play with AJ Griffin, play with Kobe Bufkin, the other guys they drafted, like Seth Lundy um, and Mohamed Goye, Guy. I don't know, man. I got to le- learn some of these pronunciations, um, especially for the rookies. I think that's the main thing is the rookies. Um, but my reasoning for not playing after a rookie season would be because you won rookie of the year or were a starter on a playoff team. Unless it's like some, oh, I'm the starter, but it's because there's nobody better and I didn't really do much and I'm kind of the only reason my team didn't go further in the playoffs. Then, I mean, I think that's kind of a logical one where you look at it and say, yeah, you need more run. But I think when you look at Keegan Murray as a rookie, nothing makes you say why, like, he needs to play more. He needs more game experience this summer, which is probably why he played two games and was out which is fine. I think he's going to be very, very good in fantasy again this season, especially as a rookie, or especially after what he did as a rookie, um, where he broke the record for threes by a rookie. So could he hit more than that in a second year? I think he could. And as long as he's playing the games, I think he – let me double check before I just say something here. believe he played eight, – yeah, he played 80 games during his rookie season, which is not uncommon for rookies, but I just – or maybe it is uncommon to hit 80. I think rookies generally play more games than some of the vets that are resting, but it's kind of hard to hit. It is hard to hit 80 as a rookie. I'll say that it is because generally it's your, obviously your first time playing that many games in one season. So your body struggles to hold up the way it needs to. So some sort of lingering injury probably keeps you out at least three games, but he played 80. So I expect him to play a lot next season and be very good for fantasy, especially if you really need a three-point boost, but he can score rebound as well. So those are kind of the second-year guys that 
worst or have been stars this summer, but I also expect to be very good this upcoming season. Obviously, you know, if you're getting any of those guys in a dynasty league, it's kind of premium price um, unless it's a startup, but still you're having to spend an early pick on them. So it was exciting to see them all play well. That's kind of what I I got out of Summer League from them. Um, But the main thing to me for Summer League is to see which rookies play well because I think I think I put this in a column this week was that second and third year guys, you want to see them play good and you kind of get worried if they play bad. Like when Jabari Smith was awful in that first half, it kind of confirmed my thoughts of, oh gosh, maybe he's not going to be all that good, at least as a scorer. I don't think you can question whether he's a very good defender, but talking about his scoring, if he was struggling with his shot that much in summer league, what makes you think that he can just go into regular season games and be better, which, you know, he answered that over the next six quarters of basketball. So cool. Um, But if you're talking about rookies, you want to see them play well. And if they play well, then it's great. If they're bad, I don't really care. You know, Brandon Miller, for example, we'll get into him. He had a game where he scored six points and fouled eight times. And obviously that gets amplified. It's an easy, easy meme to make. I mean, it's easy to clown a guy when he has more fouls committed than total points scored. Easy. But then seeing what he did in the next, I believe it was the next game afterwards. I think he scored 24 uh, or 26, 26 because uh, Nick Smith Jr. had 33, which was a show against Portland. Um, That's what I like to see. I guess we'll start with Brandon Miller because I'm already talking about him. I was going to go in order and start with Wemby, but I guess we'll start with Brandon Miller because I feel like he's almost been more polarizing this summer. Um, I didn't like the pick for Portland because or excuse me, the pick for Charlotte, because I thought Scoot Henderson, hands down, was the second best player in this draft. And if Victor Wembanyama wasn't a 7-5 guy that shoots step backs and blocks every shot, Scoot would have gone one. I think that there's many drafts where Scoot would have gone one, like looking back at who went with the first pick um, in a handful of recent drafts. And certainly, like, if Scoot was one year later, like, hands down, number one pick, people are tanking for Scoot. And Charlotte had this pick in their hands with an opportunity to get this just generational point guard who, again, I'll talk about in a second because I absolutely loved his first game or first half, I guess. And they took a better fit. And that was kind of the reasoning was Brandon Miller fits better because LaMelo has the ball in his hands. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me because they have Terry Rozier there as well, who has the ball in his hands quite a bit as well. And if you're saying LaMelo can't play off the ball, like that's wrong. I know LaMelo's incredible with the ball in his hands and he's better with the ball in his hands, but he can play without it. He can play as an off ball shooter. He can play as an, you know, get it off the ball off somebody else's creation and then be a secondary creator out of that to either get a pass to somebody else, a finish, a catch and shoot, whatever. LaMelo is not a ball-dominant Trey Young or Luka Doncic where you're like, can we get them off the ball? Sure. Do we want to? No, because they're one of the best offensive forces in the league with the ball in their hands, and when they don't have the ball, they kind of stand there. Would would those two guys be better if they were able to play off the ball? Yes. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying LaMelo has already shown that he can do that. And I think that having Scoot with LaMelo fits well. I think it fits fine. I think Scoot is an explosive, get to the rim, rim pressure, get in the paint, create for others kind of guy that LaMelo could play off of. Whereas also we've seen what LaMelo can do already. I don't think Scoot is such a shooting liability. I know Scoot isn't a great three-point shooter, but I don't think he's enough of a shooting liability where teams are sagging off of him and making life hard for LaMelo. Of course not. So that idea didn't make sense to me or saying Brandon Miller was better. I think I can't think of a team where it's like if they had the number two pick, they should have passed on Scoot because of fit. I, I genuinely can't think of one in the NBA just because he's that type of talent. Um, I guess maybe a quick thought off the top of my head would be Dallas because they have Luka and Kyrie. But in that case, you probably draft Scoot and let Kyrie walk. I don't know. Anyways, I mean, Portland did it. Portland drafted him. They have Dame and Anthony Simons. I know they're now they're trading Dame, but they went into that. I'm assuming they went into that draft kind of under the impression that they're going to try and build around Dame. They held the pick. Maybe their intention all along was to trade Dame and they were just trying to publicly show support and that they're going to try and build a winner around him to make him be the bad guy and ask out. Who knows what actually happened? But assuming that they were honest, which I think is probably a big assumption, big ask, but that um, they were trying to build a winner around Damian Lillard. Scoot was probably going to come off the bench. I don't think Scoot would have came off the bench in Charlotte. I think you'd trade Terry Rozier or have him be the sixth man. But he would probably would have came off the bench, at least to start. But you still take that kind of talent. You just take best player available. If you have the number two pick, you take best player available. I don't care what who is on your team. You're the number two pick for a reason. It's because you aren't good enough to take for fit. If you're a borderline playoff team just outside the lottery and you are set at four positions and then there's a guy there that is probably going to start for you but he should probably go around 20 instead of 15 of course you take that guy like he's gonna start for you it's gonna be great but if you're picking at two you're not good enough to take for fit anyways I can just repeat myself all day about that. But they take Brandon Miller. I think before that, Brandon Miller to me was the number three player. A potential lethal scorer on the on the perimeter as a small forward. Like that's the kind of player that becomes an all-star in this league. Yeah, I think um if I remember correctly, they call him Baby KD at Alabama, or maybe just they called him Baby KD in general. That kind of nickname is lofty. It's a lofty expectation, but if you're that kind of talent, that's a, a championship, a potential leading scorer on a championship team. You know, if you look at Jason Tatum has Boston with a chance to compete every season because of his dominance as a scorer. And I think Brandon Miller, I I'm gonna just say I don't believe Brandon Miller is going to be as good as Jason Tatum. It's not not what I'm saying. Or it's not what I'm saying before I, you know, twist my words. But I think he has the potential to be. And if you're saying if Charlotte truly believes in him, then it's fine because he's that kind of talent. I think he showed that in a summer league game 
a couple other ones struggled, which is fine. But I think the idea of drafting for fit was is dumb. But I still like Brandon Miller as a player, and I believe he has upside. But I feel like over the past few weeks, potentially over a month since it was kind of the idea that they might take him at two, it was like I was very hard and critical on him in my mind because I'm like, why are they taking this guy? Now in my mind, it's like, oh, they reached, he's going to be a bust. For some reason, my mind went there. But if I look back and look at him as just a talent, I don't believe that. I think he's going to be a good player in this league. I just don't think he'll be as good as Scoot. And now after watching Summer League, while I still think he'll be a good player, I'm less confident as I am as far as like the Thompson twins. I think in an early, 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 early way too early redraft, he might slip a little bit after his first few games. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in his talent. But I think, you know, if you're just going based off what you see, it's a little worrisome. But back to my original point of ignoring some of the bad performances, we have gotten a very good game from him. Hopefully, I don't haven't looked at the summer league schedule to see if they they played a night against the Pelicans. Hopefully, he doesn't destroy my point and play awful tonight. But I think that he would play better after or continue to play well after having a good game. And hopefully, I don't know how many more uh, games they'll have in this summer, but be able to continue to do that, bring that into training camp, and have a good rookie season. Be a good player in the league. It's great. He doesn't need it because summer league momentum won't carry throughout a career. That's not what I'm saying. But I think he's just a guy to keep an eye on now. Before I continue to probably make contradictory points about Brandon Miller because I feel like it's kind of hard to gauge what he'll be um, at this point, though I I was – bottom line, I like the talent, didn't like the pick for Charlotte, still believe he can be a good player in the league. And that's kind of where I'll, where I'll uh, summarize everything. So now we'll talk about Victor Wembanyama, who didn't play – I don't remember if they were Salt Lake or Sacramento either, but – didn't play their first two games. Obviously, he had just finished um, playing in his championship in Europe. Um, so he's has had a lot on his body. So important to have this guy rest. So they played him two games at Vegas. The first one, he shot the ball horribly. Didn't play horribly, but he shot it horribly. And for some reason... I didn't take a single one seriously, but people were saying that he was a bust on Twitter. And I'm 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 pretty confident 95% of people were joking. I'm sure there's 5% that threw out the idea that he would be a bust on Twitter that way, just in case if it happened, they shot their shot a little bit, could go back. So no, see guys, I said he was gonna be a bust all along. And can retweet their tweet, say, see guys, I told you guys, that's why he's shooting. He shot two for 13 from the field. See, guys, I told you guys he'd be bad. It's like, okay. <laughs> now he's going to be a generational player. And there's not even a point in deleting your tweet to try and save yourself because nobody would take that kind of tweet seriously. It's a great strategy, honestly. If Because if it's he's a bus, you kind of look smart. If people take your original take serious. And if he's not a bus, then, oh, well, I don't think anybody's going to criticize you for saying that he was going to be a bust. They're just going to think you're dumb because he's that kind of talent. 
which is what we saw in the second game when he was significantly better. And then I don't remember his exact stat line. I want to say he had like 24 points. So has this really, really good game. They shut him down for the rest of the summer league. Cool. Starting power forward from day one, Zach Collins at center. I'd imagine probably Trey Jones at point guard, Devin Vassell starting at shooting guard, and then probably Keldon Johnson at small forward. Unfortunately, Jeremy Sohan gets bumped out, but that doesn't, to get off on a little bit of a tangent again, I don't think that hurts Sohan's dynasty value. I think that that hurts his win now dynasty value or uh, redraft value because he's going to have a smaller role this season than he would have had San Antonio not gotten Victor Wimbanyama. But I still think he's fine for dynasty. I think one day Zach Collins isn't the starting center and Wemby is, and then Sohan is the four. Assuming none of the trades, no other trades have happened. It's very possible that trades have happened at that point. Maybe Keldon Johnson gets traded and Sohan's at the three. I don't know, but I'm not concerned about his dynasty value. I'm concerned a little bit more about what he can do next season. Um, but not much else to get into for Wemby. He's going to be generational. Will he be the greatest basketball player of all time? I can't definitively say no right now. So that's all you can ask for with a guy that is a generational prospect. It is possible for Victor Wembanyama to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And of course you can take that and say, yeah, it's possible for any rookie to be the greatest player of all time. If things go right, like, yeah, but nobody has a realistic chance of that in this draft aside from Wemby. Like I love Scoot Henderson and I love him even more after his first game um, in summer league. I don't think I would put, even a dollar on Scoot Henderson being the greatest player of all time. If even if it was like plus, well, if it's plus 10,000 odds, you have to take it, but plus whatever the odds are just because it'd be a waste of a dollar. I don't like nobody from this draft class or any, no, but probably the last draft class, it, it you have to go pretty far back um, to have a chance of being the greatest player of all time from a draft class. Um, Wemby's that kind of player. Obviously, he's a seven foot five guy that can hit step backs. I mean, there's a chance that he's the GOAT. I don't think he'll. I think it's harder to win championships with one guy than it is than it was when Michael Jordan did it. Wow. Okay. I can get off onto a real tangent. I'm just going to stop myself before I really start talking about championships. The point is, I don't think Victor Wembanyama's has to win you know, five plus championships for his career to be a success. I think he can be a very talented player. Um, you know, probably an MVP guy to be considered a success, the number one overall pick and to live up to the hype. I think winning an MVP or, or two would probably say he's lived up to the hype. I don't think Victor Wembanyama has to win seven MVPs and six defensive player of the years and, win seven championships for him to be a success because let's face it, there's way too much talent in today's NBA. And that's a lot more on team building than it is on an individual player's success, especially compared to the nineties. But in order to not, cause I'm sure that is probably a very controversial opinion to many. Um, but that's not really what I'm here to argue. I'm just saying that, I think Wemby's going to be incredible, but my standard isn't multi-time champion, multi-time MVP, multi-time defensive player of the year. 
Um, so moving on to Scoot, um, who played, I believe, just a little over one half of basketball. And most of his work was done in that first quarter. But I think he just showed why he should have been the number two overall pick and why he's the talent he is. As a creator, as a driver, um, as a passer, as a defender, I mean, he was picking Amen Thompson up from like half court, getting low, showing off. I think it's a 6'9 wingspan from a 6'2 guard. Like a, that's insane. Um, I think he, he didn't shoot the ball from deep incredibly well. I, think, I don't remember how many or what the exact numbers were, but I think he had one that was like really off. Just didn't look bad, but didn't look great. Didn't really go in. But it's fine. It's his first summer league game. I, I liked, you know, when he had the ball in his hands. I'm not saying I'm not sure exactly about Amen Thompson as an on-ball defender as far as keeping guys in front of him. But we've seen what he can do as like both of the, the twins can do as guys that can get defensive stats. So maybe this doesn't mean that much, but Scoot was getting by him and getting to the rim pretty much whenever he wanted to uh, in that first quarter. Just kind of pretty easily drove right by him and either got a layup or kicked it out with somebody. And it's, I think it was Chris Murray that benefited a lot um, from Scoot just driving in. I think he had 15, five and five at halftime. So had he not gotten hurt, there's a chance he would have had a 30 point triple double the math maths um, in his first summer league game, which is insane. Um, Scoot may not fit the mold of, well, I, I wouldn't say that, but I think a lot of point guards in the modern NBA have more success when they're able to shoot threes. And we've seen a lot of the really athletic point guards kind of tail off. I mean, we saw D Rose was different because of injuries, but like, well, I guess John Wall was also injuries, but okay. Explosive players have a chance to uh, struggle with injuries. That's just, the science of it, if you're on the floor, you're going to get hurt less if you're as opposed to being off the floor and up above the rim. If you're staying under the rim, you're probably safer. Anyways, Russell Westbrook kind of really hit a wall, um, partially because of fit, but I think for a while Westbrook was able to average a triple-double, and now he's still a good player, but he's not uh, going to be on many people's fantasy teams. John Morant is going to continue to be very good, but I think – you know, there's going to come a point where he's not able to jump over everybody and run past everybody. And he's still going to be good, or but he's going to kind of hit a wall pretty quickly and then probably done at, this is just totally a guess, like 32-33, it's hard to imagine Ja Morant still being Ja. And now, granted, I could be wrong. He could be a superhuman like LeBron and be jumping over people at that age. I could be wrong. But I don't think he projects as that kind of player. Whereas a guy like Steph can probably play until he's 40 like LeBron, who's superhuman, so it's hard to compare. Uh, but Steph's had some injuries recently, you know, gets older, but he's a guy where you can imagine him being effective till he's 40 because he can just run around screens and pop threes. Whereas guys that are incredibly athletic, such as Scoot, <clears throat> probably have a, a shorter shelf life as far as how long they'll be dominant in the NBA. With that being said, it could still be like over a decade a really good play from Scoot um, as a freak athlete gets the rim at will. And I, I don't think he'll be that bad of a shooter. I think he'll be an average shooter in the NBA, maybe slightly below average, but 
he'll do everything else incredibly well, which is why he should be considered. I think I had him at 20 in my dynasty rankings. He should be a top 25 minimum player in dynasty. He should go in the late first round of 30 team startups and he should go late second, early third of like a 12 team one. So keep that in mind. If you're doing a dynasty startup, scoot Henderson around that pick 25 range, depending on your league size and feel confident in making the pick there. Uh, cause he's going to be a generational player. He's, he's that type of talent. Um, but he's done for the summer. I think that report came out earlier today. Um, so we won't get sco- see scoot until probably preseason. Um, another guy we probably won't see till the preseason is Amen Thompson who suffered an ankle injury in that game, but I really liked what I saw out of him. I, admittedly was a little bit concerned about how their play would translate from overtime elite to the NBA. Um, probably because I didn't do enough research into what OTE is. Um, but I think a lot of the guys, I think there was a couple other guys uh, out of there. Uh, they were also playing this summer that played really well. So I think looking at it, I don't remember the exact age, but I think it's like 16 to 18 year olds or 16 to 20 year olds. So there are some, you know, 20 year olds, like adults, but there's also like 16 year olds playing in that league. So it made me kind of question, are we sure that these guys are that good? But I think uh, the Pistons GM, whose name is escaping me right now, um, had the quote where he said that uh, Halle Berry looks good in, um, goodness, I don't even remember where he said it, uh, where it was, whether, Wow, I'm totally drawing a blank on this quote. Basically, it doesn't really matter where uh, they're playing at or who they're playing around or who's around them playing. If if it, they're good, they look good. And that's what he used to say about the Thompson's wins, which Raphael Stone, Houston's GM, kind of echoed. Um, wow, I butchered that quote. Apologies. But I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about if you guys are keeping up with everything. So you guys know what I mean. Um, so both the Thompson twins, I think, have looked good in Summer League. Amen obviously only played like three quarters and twisted his ankle, but I liked what I saw out of him as a creator, a finisher, and both of them have done an incredible job of getting defensive stats. Asar Thompson, I was a little bit more concerned about his fit uh, with Detroit just because they have, excuse me, Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey there. So I was like, how much is he going to have the ball in his hands? And I think in that first summer league game, Jaden Ivey just refused to pass and pretty much everybody on the team refused to pass except Asar, because um, I mean you have James Wise, and every time he touches it, the shots going up. So I think there's quite a few guys in Detroit that are like that as well. So we'll see. Um, but in their last summer league game on Wednesday, I believe when they beat Toronto, um, he sorry I'm pulling the stats up had. 17 points, nine rebounds, three assists, four steals, two blocks. Now that game was without pretty much everybody else um, from their rotation, including Jalen Durid, Jaden Ivey, and James Wiseman that have kind of played this summer, uh, which showed gave us a chance to show what he can do or gave him a chance to show us. So that's exciting, and I believe in the talent. Um, I just think it's kind of iffy as far as how that will work with Cade and Jaden Ivey. And I think a lot of times you can look at situations and say, there's no guarantee the situation's like that in two years. 
well, this has kind of been their first round picks for the last three years. So they could make a trade, but I can't imagine it's going to be anytime soon. So hopefully in three seasons, it'll be all cleared up or all figured out and they can all three play together and get enough touches and numbers to be good. But I don't really see that right now, which is a slight concern for me, but I still believe in the talent. Uh, Anthony Black has looked good as we expected, except for the shot, which is fine, except it's in Orlando and they don't, and they drafted Jet Howard. They have guys that can shoot, but they're not a great shooting team. So adding in another non-shooter is a bit of a question mark. But I still think he's good enough to make a huge impact in fantasy because he's going to he's a good rebounder, he's a good passer, and he's going to get defensive stats. So like what I've seen out of him so far. Uh Bilal Kulabali, I think, was kind of unless you did your research and really, really did your research, which respect if you did, uh, kind of the biggest question mark among the guys picked in the top 10. Just because late riser, probably still expected to go late lottery and then Washington traded up a spot, take him at seven. And it was kind of like, okay, cool. But he's shown a bit of everything this summer, um, especially on defense, but also offensively that he can do a bit of everything. I believe the catch and shoots and like shooting catch and shoot threes um, were not quite a strong suit for him through his first few games. Uh, but everything else is he looks like a very good player, a guy you take in the top 10. Um, and I think with Washington this season, he's going to get a chance to really play a lot and create and make mistakes. They are going to have Jordan Poole and Tyus Jones. Um, you know, Tyus is not going to turn the ball over and not going to make mistakes and probably will help out Koulibaly as well as getting Jordan Poole the ball, letting him score, getting Kyle Kuzma the ball, letting him score. I don't know if Koulibaly starts at least at first because they have Corey Kispert who started last season. Um, could, he could earn the starting job, but I imagine that they'll start with Kispert. But who knows what happens in training camp. But I like, I think Koulibaly summer has shown what kind of player he can be. And that gets me you know, excited about his potential and his future. Uh, Jairus Walker has had some very good games for Indiana. Um, I think now I'm more concerned about his situation um, for this season. Still believe in him um, as a talent. Still like him probably as their starting power forward of the future. Um, but they took a chance on Obi Toppin, which I didn't love Obi Toppin heading into the league. But there's, I mean, he's been in the league a couple of years, so there's certainly a chance he starts from day one over Jairus Walker, which would be fair if he's playing better. Um, and now there's rumors that Indiana is going to try and trade for Pascal Siakam, who would certainly start over both. Um, so that kind of hurts Jairus Walker's short-term value, which I kind of liked him as a guy that could be an all-rookie first-team guy. Um, but now I'm a little bit hesitant a little bit more concerned, but I still think long-term projects very well, should be a very good player. Um, and he's shown this summer, he's had some good games, um, played well with some big numbers. So yeah, I think he's been, been good. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, we haven't got to see play yet because of injury. Casey uh, Wallace was really, really good in their first game. I think he hit six threes, scored 20 points. And then he's kind of struggled the two games since. So, I still like him as a talent. 
I was very high on him before the draft. I see his fit better with OKC than I did before. Um, I think, like I said earlier, the Thunder aren't going to stick to positions. They do not care. So Kaysom Wallace could be their starting, quote-unquote, small forward at whatever his height is, 6'2", um, with SGA and Josh Giddy probably guarding the two and the three, letting Kaysom Wallace guard the one, but also playing a little bit more of an off-the-ball role. Kind of like a, a Lou Dort, but with more creation and less shot chucking. I kind of like that. I like that. We'll stick with that. Um, so I like his potential fit there. Uh, and he showed what he can do as a catch-and-shoot player. Hopefully he'll have better games the rest of the summer, but honestly not too concerned. Uh, I saw what I need to see, and I believe it. Um, we'll go through a couple more lottery picks maybe. Uh, Jet Howard, um, I think he just played well in their last game. But aside from that, he's kind of struggled um, as a shooter. I think he is a good shooter. I don't think, sorry, I don't think that needs to be something that's even questioned. He's going to be able to shoot in the NBA. Shot eight for 17, hit four threes in their last game on Wednesday night. Orlando needed shooting. There will be minutes for him if he's hitting shots. Um, he hasn't been phenomenal this summer as a shooter, which you'd like to see, but it's not like a super big concern. Um, but I think it's the difference between him playing. 10 to 15 minutes and 20 to 25 minutes is how much of a liability is he elsewhere and is he hitting shots? So I still like the fit, but I'm I'm not, I thought it was a bit of a reach as well. I thought that if they were, I thought they should have gone Grady Dick to get a shooter, but they like jet. So if he's hitting shots, he can probably be really good in fantasy, but if he's not, then he's probably going to sit the bench. So we'll see. Derek Lively uh, wasn't very good in his first game, but I think he's been slightly better since. I think in their last game on Wednesday night, while I'm pulling those numbers up, he had a double-double with 11 points and 10 rebounds, two blocks. It's kind of probably what we're hoping for as a rookie, that he's able to average a double-double with almost two blocks per game. As a starter that plays 28 minutes, maybe, Um, he played... 20, almost 30 minutes in this game. So if that's something that he can do in the regular season, then that's great. That's probably all we need out of him. Um, but I think that's very possible for him, especially as a pick and roll. Playing pick and roll with Jaden Hardy and Mike Miles Jr. is probably going to be a little different from playing pick and roll with Luca and Kyrie. Just a, just a hypothetical throwing that out there, maybe kind of sort of that's what we should be looking at. Um. And then Grady Dick went 13. Um, He hasn't been great this summer. He hasn't been bad, but he has kind of struggled with efficiency. But if you look at Toronto's roster, I think they're another team where they just don't have a ton of talent playing in summer league. They have a couple guys, but they don't have a ton. So defenses are keying in on on Grady Dick, making his life more difficult. Um, I'm not super concerned about him. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to, if Toronto decides to blow everything up, um, figuratively, of course, and start over, that there's a really good chance that he starts and plays a lot this season. If not, he's still at least going to be a sixth man. Um, Fred Van Bleet's gone, so it wouldn't shock me if they traded Siakam and Ananobi, potentially Gary Trent Jr. when they're able to, and just – 
maybe even Pirtle if they're really serious about a rebuild. Um, I don't know how serious they are about blowing everything up, um, but it's possible. I think that there's a path for him to be a starter, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. Um, and then, but I but I like his upside and what he can do in the regular season more than what he's shown this summer, just because of situation. And the last guy in the lottery was Jordan Hawkins, who the Pelicans took at 14. Um, he's been able to score some this summer. I think I was a little bit concerned about what he would be able to do as a fantasy player, just because we know he can score. I'm like, shoot, he's a winning player. But what else is he doing for fantasy specifically for like nine cat leagues? What else is he going to be able to do? And we saw, I'm trying, let me pull it up real quick. He had an awful shooting. I believe it was on Tuesday. Um, it was, he shot one for 12, six turnovers. He had six boards, two assists, two steals. So like, sure. The two steals is nice. Everything else is average to below average. His shot wasn't going and he, and he had turned it over six times, wasn't able to give us much else. I don't love him for fantasy. I think he went 14 in the, uh, the NBA draft. I don't think he should go that high. He'd probably, probably still top 20, but maybe around that uh, in rookie fantasy drafts. I don't think he should be going in the lottery of rookie fantasy drafts just because I don't necessarily see him as that kind of fantasy talent. And the Pelicans have so much depth. So if he's going to see minutes, it's going to be in multiple seasons. It's not going to be anytime soon unless there is trades, of course, that open up minutes. But that's always a big what if that's kind of hard to predict in the NBA. Um, so I don't love Jordan Hawkins, who I would take ahead of him, probably ahead of the last few guys I've talked about now, is Keontae George. And he's the last guy that I'm going to talk about Um just because now that we're out of the lottery, he's the only guy that I think is has played so, so well that we have to talk about him. Uh, he had, I think it was, he's had some, he's shown some scoring, but he had the game, I don't remember who they were playing. He scored 33, he scored 17 in the fourth quarter, and he also had 10 assists. Just, he absolutely took over that fourth quarter, hitting some insane contested shots, contested threes. He twisted his ankle in their last game on Wednesday night. I believe he'll be done for summer league. But he's shown enough that I don't care. He doesn't need to play anymore in the summer. He doesn't need to play next summer. Well, we'll see. Maybe he does. But he should, in my opinion, play a lot as a rookie and potentially be starting by the end of it. I don't think the Jazz are a playoff team this year, though I thought they would be the worst team in the league last season or one of them, and then they could have made the playoffs if they didn't pull the plug. So they traded away a lot of guys already that probably hurts them from making the playoffs, but I still think that they're a good team with a future. So I don't think they'll be, you know, picking top five, but I don't think that they're making the playoffs. They may approach a play in. We'll see. But I think Keontae George is going to play big minutes this season. And there's what he's shown in summer league that he's going to be a future star. Now, granted, as I, you know, I am literally overreacting to players during the same podcast that I'm saying don't overreact to summer league, but see, see how easy it is to do. I guess that's my great example of that, but um, he's going to be, I think a very good player, a very good score. It's not a guarantee just because he played well in summer league, but I like what I saw hitting those shots is 
not something that everybody can do. Um, and he showed creation with his assists. So really, really like his talent, what we've seen. Um, there is certainly more to talk about with Summer League, as there always is, because there's guys like the who the Nuggets drafted uh, with Julian Strother, Jalen Pick, and Hunter Tyson that could see minutes for them this season. Chris Murray's been really good this summer uh, for Portland. Kim Whitmore has been a good scorer and good at certain things. Other things are a little bit questionable. Um, you know, Nick Smith Jr. had that incredible kind of showdown or face-off with Shaden Sharp, who's another guy I should have mentioned way at the beginning when I'm talking about second-year guys, and I'm sure some Portland fan has been listening to this entire podcast and just been fuming that I forgot to mention him with second year players that have dominated summer league. And I am so, so sorry. Um, Shaden Sharp has also been incredible and showed what kind of score he can be. And he's going to have a green light this season. He's going to be really good. I apologize for not mentioning that earlier. And then Leonard Miller is a guy that no idea, like looking back how he fell to the second round. Um, he's going to be really, really good uh, if he gets the minutes. Um, teams are going to kick themselves over that one. Jordan Walsh uh, fell to the second round after a pretty bad season at Arkansas, but he's been fantastic through a few summer league games. Um, I don't think he sees minutes for Boston this season, aside from maybe a few. But I like the potential. He's young, just coming off freshman season after being a five-star. So he could be very good. And late-round pick, an easy guy to target uh, late in drafts. But... That is going to do it for this episode. Um, as I said previously, so, uh, put in your email and subscribe to my Substack, noahrubin.substack.com. At noahrubin22 is my Twitter. You know, Like, subscribe, rate, comment, review this podcast. Help share. Share it with any friends that are getting into fantasy, getting into dynasty, just like basketball, that you're trying to convince to get into fantasy basketball, whatever the reason. Um, any shares would be much appreciated. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Take Me Later podcast. Clicking the wrong button.